From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello and welcome to another From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio, the local cricket show we ran up all of the action from the scene across the county. On today's show, myself and Callum Guest are joined by cricket author Richard Clark to discuss his new book, Last Wicket Stand, as he searches for redemption and revival in English county cricket. We'll also be rounding up the local scene, of course, matches in the East Anglian Premier League this weekend for our four local sides, Sauston and Abraham, Saffron Walden, Cambridge Cricket Club and Belmont Exning. And of course, we're rounding up all the action from the Cams and Hunt Premier Leagues too, all the way from Whiting's one down to the bottom of the CCA Divisions 2. We'll also have a look at the county cricket. Of course, Bob Willis Trophy matches, the second of those, took place over the last few days. And England versus Pakistan, the second test in the three-match series, gets underway tomorrow. So we'll be having a look at that. And of course, Richard will take part in Beat the Guest. Can he defeat Callum? He currently leaves 3-0, does my co-host. And also we'll get Richard's big question at the end of the show too. So welcome along. Thanks very much for tuning in. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do at FTP Cricket 105 on Twitter and Facebook, the best place to do so. If you missed any of the last From the Pavilion shows, you can catch up with all of them on the Cambridge 105 Radio website. So I'm delighted to welcome as ever my co-host Callum Guest onto the show. Thanks for coming on, Callum. Thanks, mate. How's your week been? All good. Yeah, not, not too bad. Pretty hot, isn't it? Bit too hot, I think. <laughs> it's been brutal. It has. Have you been coaching all week and in this severe heat yeah i've been doing a bit of coaching um oh, saturday night I had a couple of beers i think um so <laughs> sunday i was it's not not the best being slightly hung over on a sunday when it's 30 34 degrees so that was a pretty brutal day <laughs> where's your professionalism but rightly to celebrate a victory anyway did you uh head off into the into the night, into the town and Sawson. I can't imagine there's too much going on in Sawson. No, we stayed and had a couple of beers at the club. No, it was good. There was a good, good bunch of us, obviously socially distanced. Um, a lot of the twos come back as well. I think that was the second week running that all three teams on the Saturday had won. So, reason to celebrate for the club. There's probably no better place, is there, really, for, well, for us guys, anyway, when all your sides and your club win, sun shining down, a few beers as well after a victory. Can't be too many places better on a Saturday. Uh, definitely that and it was yeah, just good to get everyone back back really obviously with lockdown it's been a hard few months I think for many so it's good to just be around everyone again that's a real good, real, real good bunch down at the club So I say that I haven't won a single game this season so um... <laughs> <laughs> your wishes for last week to Jack didn't go too well did they? no it didn't, didn't. and he there. turned up as well he turned up as well just as uh, we were finishing the game so we had to saw me trounch off the pitch as we <laughs> as we lost so that was nice him to turn up and tell me all about his victory over the Cambridge twos just as I was walking off the pitch having lost pretty pretty comfortably yeah anyway you win some you lose some yeah in this case we don't win some in last season's case we won well last few years we won pretty much most games but it's not the same these women village clubs can't cope with the uh, they haven't got the squad depth that you boys have got <laughs> When you say us boys, you just, you just mean Sawston, or do you mean the whole other county? So you know, county. Uh, I'm sure Sawston could provide players for every single county. In this strength and depth. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure your strength and depth is stronger than most. Right, let's move on to Whiting's then. Enough about me and our pretty poor performances. So, with regards to Whiting's one, St Ives, as I said, and Warboys were victorious last weekend. They were all out for 167, beating Cambridge by 80 runs, bottom out for 87. Uh, I should know, as Jack already told me. Foxton beat Cambridge St Giles by nine wickets. A very, very convincing victory for Foxton there. Uh, St Giles, 216 for nine off 40 overs. Foxton chased it down in 37.5, only losing one wicket. Alex Hooley with an unbeaten 109 uh, not out. Histon, well, they won again, but it was pretty close this week against Wisbeach Town. Uh, Histon set Wisbeach 252, uh, 253 to win. Uh, off their 40 overs. Wisbeach got 246 for nine, so Histon won by six runs. And our good old friend Eddie Hyde getting a century, 108 for him there. Eaton Soken, well, they beat Marchtown very, very convincingly indeed. Eaton Soken got 260 for two off 40. Marchtown, 100 all out off 29.9. Uh, so Eaton Soken winning by 160 runs. Johnny Carpenter with 107 not out. 
and uh, poor old Ollie Jeffries, 99 and out. So bless him, didn't quite get up to his century. Although Callum informed me before the show, he, think he, he thinks he got one last week. So uh, slightly less sympathy than before. Um, next week's fixtures are as follows. Cambridge Cricket Club 2 is taking on Cambridge St Giles. Uh, Eaton Soken take on Foxton. St Ives and Town and Warboys take on Histon. And Wisbeach take on March. Callum, with regards to Whiting's Histon, look like they're the team doing the business at the minute. They're top of the table, 12 points, three wins from three, and they've got a game in hand on pretty much the majority of the sides in the league as well. Yeah, I think they're probably one of the you know front runners at the start of this whole new structure that was being played. But it's, everyone's still beating everyone, really, you know, in the competition. St. Ives obviously got another win, so they're obviously on an upwards trajectory over the last few weeks. And Wisbeach have obviously run Histon pretty close there. So you're looking at the you're looking at the teams that are winning. So Histon, Eaton Soken probably looking good as well. And then obviously Wisbeach will be there or thereabouts, I think, as well. Yeah, it's very, very tight. Histon win their game in hand, they'll go sixteen points, six points clear of next place Foxham. But Eaton Soken have also got a game in hand. They win their match and they go to twelve points, um, which could possibly open up a little bit of a gap between the top four and the bottom four. But even still, it's still pretty tight. Only one win would then separate them if results sort of go that way. Let's move on to Whiting's Division 2 and start in the North group. There were two fixtures on the weekend. Ufford Park against Carston Ellsworth. Carston Ellsworth won by 54 runs. And Wisbeach Town took on Orton Park. And Wisbeach defeated Orton by six wickets. That's Wisbeach's second team, of course. Moving on to Whiting's Division 2 South East, just the one fixture this weekend, Saffron Walden 2s against Foxton 2s, and Saffron Walden won by 59 runs. And finally, with regards to the West group in Whiting's 2, there were three fixtures this weekend. Of course, this is the biggest group of seven teams in it. In Soken 2s defeated Huntington District by 30 runs. Kim Bolton first team lost against AK11 by five wickets and Southfield Park defeated Wesley by six wickets too. Well, where does that leave the standings at the moment? In the Division 2 North, it's uh, it's pretty tight at the moment, just four teams in that. Castor and Ellsworth, games played two, one, two, eight points. Then you've got Wisbeach on four points, Horton Park on two, and Ufford Park on two as well. Remember, four points for a win, so that could all change. With regards to the South East group, um, again, another table with just four teams in it. This one is not as tight. Saffron Wolverham played three, one, two. One abandoned, have ten points. Next best is Burl and Exham, twos. Played two, only two points. Foxton, two points. And Godolphin, two points. The Saffron Wolverham, twos with an eight-point lead there. Remember, in those first two groups, only the top team make it through to the playoffs. In the group of seven, which is the West group, two teams make it through, which then creates a playoff of four teams. With regards to the West Group, the table is as follows. Southfield Park sit top on 10 points. Hunson District, 8 points. Eaton Soken 2s with 6 points. Wesley, 6 points. AK11, 4 points. Kim Bolton, 4 points. And Old Leesians with 2 points at the bottom. Now it's time to pick out the top three performers in the Kansas Premier League this weekend. Starting with the bat, well, of course, we've already mentioned him. Alex Hooley, 109 not out for Foxton against Cambridge St Giles. Another 109 came Monday for Sourceman Bay Ram 2s against Barrington. First 11, and finally, yet again, another 109. Both of these last two were out there, unfortunately. Cameron Curran for Milton 2 against Burl and Lexing, fourth 11. So congratulations to them on getting their tons. With regards to the bowlers, Sam Wilson for Bar Hill in Group P of the CCA division. Got 6 for 12 against Cam Carrello. Greg Garner for Buntingford, first 11 in the Group D against Horsey. Picked up 6 for 17. And Callum's already told me about this lad. Mervyn Shaggy, Sourcing of Abraham, third 11 versus Little Shelford ones in Group O, picked up five for five. So congrats to Merv there. Callum, let's move on to the Sangley Premier League. Wins in the North Group this week for Swardston, Mildenhall and Great Witchingham. In the South Group for Copdock and Old Ipswichian and to Sudbury and yourself, Sourcing of Abraham. Uh, let's talk about yourselves. Another week, another win. Uh, this week you defended 203 all out bowling Barry St Emmons out for 171 I guess that shows your versatility really because last week obviously did very well with the bat whack again 100 uh, this week your your bowlers came to the fore no yeah we were seriously under par at the halfway stage 203 was not enough runs really although we did know they were four or five players short or four players short we still put on a really good bowling performance really dug in 
both teams got off the flyers. I think we were 110 for two off of 12 overs. So it wasn't like we got off to a slow start. We were flying at one stage. I think they were seven, I think they were 80 for one off of 10. So both teams got off the flyers. And then once that power played and we could spread the fields to quite a long boundaries, it made a massive difference to both sides, really. We could manage to peg them back. This weekend, you host Frinton on C. They are the champions, but they haven't won a game yet. No, I think uh, we won't take them lightly. They're obviously a fantastic side. We need to do the right things, how, how we have done for the last few weeks, and hopefully we can get another victory. I think I've been informed as well, it's the top spot only that goes into the playoffs. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so, it's, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah, we've got to keep winning. I think any game of cricket, we've said it before, a competitive game of cricket, you're going to win. Uh, at the moment, us and Sudbury are neck and neck, and uh, hopefully we can extend, uh, get a little bit of a lead come Saturday evening if we get a victory and they don't. Yeah, let's hope so. And lastly, just want to touch on Bell and Lexing before we hear from their skipper, Sam Rippington. Obviously, so far, they've had a pretty poor start to the season. Obviously, Sam spoke before about it being a bit of a transition year with players, younger players being in the side. But three games, three losses. How difficult is that for a side, for a captain, when you're on the board and no wins so far? Yeah, I think confidence is always confidence in any team sport plays a massive part. You know, they they probably should have. I think speaking to Ted and speaking to Sam the other day, I think they probably felt they should have won that game on Saturday. They restricted for the first time. They actually restricted the opposition down to a pretty reasonable total. Having for the previous three weeks been chasing three hundred plus, it's always a difficult task. Um, but they restricted them to chasing two hundred on Saturday. And obviously, one of the top orders got 50-odd, so they probably would have backed, them, backed themselves to chase down that target. But obviously, it wasn't to be. But I think as a team, it's just about staying together. When you've obviously lost a few games, it's about sticking together. It can be some, sometimes you can be, you know, bowlers and batters can be jumping on each other's, each other's backs as to, you know, who's not doing their job. But ultimately, you are, you're a team of 11. Um, everyone can bat and everyone can contribute in the field and stuff. So it is one of those. If it was me, I'd just say try and stick together, and you know they they they've done half the half the game right pretty much on Saturday, so they get they're getting somewhere. Yeah, let's hear from the Burnlexing camp now. Then they play Mildenhall on the weekend. Just got Mildenhall victorious by forty one runs. Bell did as Callum said, did the hard yards in the first innings, bowled them out for one hundred ninety nine, but then themselves struggled with the bat, being bowled up for one hundred fifty eight. This weekend they travel to Great Witchinger, but here is skipper Sam Rippington firstly talking about. That uh, unfortunate loss to Mildenhall on Saturday. We were really good with the ball. Quite a turnaround. We've been, we've been sort of searching for it for the last couple of weeks. We knew we could do it with the ball in terms of uh, trying to go off to a decent start, get a couple of early ones, then really put the squeeze on. And we proved we could do that against a really good Mildenhall side. So it was really positive to see the lads stand up. JT bowled really well with the new ball. Um, took two early wickets and then that exact thing happened with pressure with the spinners. Um, took regular with wickets and kept them to yeah, very below past scoring our opinion. I mean we were looking at we lost the toss, we were looking at anything below two fifty would be we should be chasing them. So on, on the bowling side of things very, very, very positive. Pretty is a funny old game, if you get on a bit of a run, it's it's, it's a very it's sort of a rhythm game where you get, if you get on a run and if you sort of know how to win, you sort of forget how to lose. And it's the same the other way. So if you get on a bit of a losing trot, we kind of get into a situation where you sort of forget how to win games quickly and close them out. I mean, um, we're in a position multiple times with the bag with the bat where one partial would have won the game. And it's almost like the lads, we just sort of not quite, of course, sort of got that extra 10% that would get us over the line in terms of sort of playing the situation correctly and, and uh, sort of playing the game rather than just going out there, sort of like having a waft and trying to score runs as quickly as we can. Yeah. Great wish we were a good side. Um, they're quite top heavy there. So if we can get to all three early and get to their middle order, um, we've got a massive chance. And obviously, our best chance of winning the game is what we did on Saturday, which is restricting, restricting ourselves to a lowest total and just trying to chase it down. So. So another loss for Boa and Exning, another loss for Cambridge Cricket Club as well. It's the second on the bounce for them. They posted 146 for nine off 28.1 for nine because uh, Raj Singh was injured in the warm-up. Uh, Great Wichigan then chased it down with 41.5 overs on the board and seven wickets left. So a three-wicket win for Great Wichigan against Cambridge. Johnny Atkinson spoke to me earlier on today and he said the Cambridge players really need to take more responsibility when batting frustrating loss we lost the toss on what we thought was looked like quite a decent wicket but actually proved to be quite bouncy and quite tricky to play and it got slightly easier to bat on throughout the day so didn't get anywhere near as many runs as we should have done and were capable of but also but the wicket didn't play particularly well either so I think it's us just thinking oh well we've got so many batsmen 
and probably not taking as much uh, personal responsibility as we, we should do. We've got in our team on Saturday, um, everyone down to number eight has got Premier League hundreds. Um, and I think that that can be a real positive, also a negative as well, that people aren't taking as much responsibility as they should. So, yeah, last couple of weeks have been slightly disappointing with the bat. We had a long chat after the game about it. I think a lot of people are getting to 30 and, and not going on. Swarson are a really good side. They're a class act. They've been the pinnacle for the whole of the Premier League and they play cricket in exactly the, the way it should be. So, yeah, it's an exciting opportunity. Um, the wicket there is always quite flat and uh, allows for positive cricket. Which And they've got a, a good, quick bowling attack with some decent spinners. And I actually think that our batsmen probably perform better against better bowlers on better wickets. Johnny Atkinson there from Cambridge Cricket Club uh, this week. It is a tricky one away to Swarston for them. Bow and Lexing, well, they've got a toughie as well away to Great Witchingham. Saffron Walden, again, they couldn't win this weekend, unfortunately, losing by 43 runs to Sudbury. 248 they needed. However, they were bowled out for 204, chasing that in 46.3 overs. Uh, so an unfortunate loss for Saffron Walden this weekend. Uh, they are away from home once again, away to Bury St Edmunds in the South Rips. It's also I'm the only side of our four local ones to pick up a win this weekend. Coming up after the break, myself and Callum will be joined by county cricket author Richard Clark to discuss his new book, and he'll be taking on Callum in the Beat the Guest quiz as well. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. So welcome back to From the Pavilion. I'm delighted to say we're joined by a very special guest now, Rich Clark, who has written um, a new book on it on County Creek called Last Wicket Stand, Searching for Redemption, Revival and a Reason to Persevere in English County Cricket. Rich, thanks very much for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Firstly, how are you? How have you been over the last few? Because I imagine missing your cricket, but probably glad it's back now. I am missing uh, my cricket a lot. Um, the live streams are keeping me sane. I'm enjoying it so much that um, my consulting work and my writing work that I do is having to be sort of squeezed in before <laughs> 11 o'clock, between 1 o'clock and 1.40, 15 minutes around tea time, and then after 6. So there we go. That's the way it works out when you're uh, slightly obsessed by county cricket. That sounds perfect, that does. And uh, you obviously mentioned you're following Essex. Are you from there? You're a member at the club? What's your sort of history with the club? Yeah, born and bred in Essex, played my um, terrible standard of Sunday cricket at uh, in West Essex and have been a follower of the club, well, forever really, but um, uh, that sort of coming of age period that, that when you sort of get into a sport and you connect with a club, statistically, it comes around the sort of eight, nine, ten, and that was a period in, of Essex's uh, history where um, when I was that age, um, Essex won the county championship in 1979 um, and the BNH, the first ever trophies. And that was the start of the Gooch, Lever, Fletcher uh, era that went on for about 15 years or so where, when we were by far the best team in the country. So that kind of cemented me as an Essex fan. Hasn't always been um, champagne and roses <laughs> since then, but we've come good in the last four or five years. Yes, yeah, certainly have. I would, I would probably say one of the best two counties in the set up over the last uh, few years. Of course, Callum knows I'm a hardened Somerset fan as well. That would probably be why I'm saying that. The reason we got you on, Rich, is to talk about uh, your, your new book, The Last Wicket Stand, as I said, Searching for Redemption, Revival Under, Reason to Persevere in English County Cricket. Firstly, who best to tell us about it than yourself? We can see on, uh, on your wallpaper behind you on this Zoom call the, the lovely print of the book. But go on, tell us about the book. Yeah, I'm not being subtle with that advert, am I really? <laughs> but um, yeah, so... My book has got three old blokes on the front and a waste paper bin uh, watching candy cricket under darkened skies. So it is autobiographical to a certain extent, aligning personal issues and, and personal life and personal struggles with the uh, fandom associated with following sport. It was Nick Hornby and Arsenal. And also Nick Hornby was a little bit more growing up and the divorce that his, that his family went through. Well, with me, it was I'd reached, I'd reached the age of 50 last year. And it goes in a U-shape. And you tend to be statistically, you're, you're happy 
in that sort of 20 to 30 period. And then you're very happy once retirement comes. Uh, uh, that's what the, the, the stats say. But the bottom of that U is your 50th year when you have all sorts of issues going in your life about where your job is going, your parents will be getting old. Uh, and that's an issue. You've got young kids that you're, 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 you're trying to put on, on the right uh, frame of life. And that is the sort of classic juxtaposition of the classic midlife crisis. <laughs> Not that I like that phrase a lot. Um, but County cricket was having its own crisis as well. Uh, this, this book was written uh, last year where there was uh, the sort of Damocles was over the head of county cricket in the form of the hundred. So it's a little bit about where should I as a person go uh, from here and where should county cricket go from here? So I resolved to spend the season following Essex and I wrote about it in the stands and there's lots of tales about relating cricket to life, uh, understanding uh, your place in the world, understanding cricket's place in the world, the future of a person such as myself, the future of county cricket. So, yeah, it, it, I'm not sure it'll, it's my, it will hit the likes of you two. Um, you're maybe not my target market, but maybe your dad will be interested in your mum too. I'll put it on his, uh, his birthday list then, then Richard. I'll take any sale I can. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, I imagine it's a, a little bit of a, a search for purpose, like you say, both in county cricket and yourself is is that fair to say i guess with obviously the changes that's happening in county cricket you're therefore suggesting that there's changes potentially coming up or there has been changes in your life as well yeah absolutely in the sense that um i had a a, a career that was 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 a sort of smooth upward ascent and then certain things changed certain decisions were made uh, on, on on both sides and i didn't end up where i wanted to be and and life is telling me okay or the world's telling me so you've got to work until 65 70 okay well i'm 50 and the job market is telling me ah you're a little bit too old to get this job and that job and that job okay well hang on there's 15 years here where i've got to occupy myself and also earn some money and i'm in a little bit of a, a difficult position so that's a, a, a classic situation that, that that someone such as myself uh, will often get into, and it's you know it's different for for, for young men such as as yourself, where it, it, it's 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 the same scenario in the sense that people want experience, so they won't give you a job. But how are you supposed to get experience unless you have a job? So it's that same sort of frustrating feeling. And as with county cricket, I mean, I'm a huge devotee of county cricket. And I felt that there were definite green shoots of recovery in terms of memberships were going up, not by a great deal, but they were going up. The county cricket viewing figures of the live streams and the audio streams, they were particularly good. Obviously, the blast uh, was 15% up year on year last year. 950,000 people went to that. So there's real signs that this national sport of, of ours, of course, it, it is England's national sport, um, was slowly, you know, it might be an oil tanker, but it is turning slowly. And did we need to have to take this gamble? It's been called a reckless gamble to wipe the slate clean and put a new tournament in. And, and for the first time in 130 years, not make the first class counties the focus. Was that the right thing to do? So there's all these questions about purpose. What do we want from our sport? What do we want from our life? And meditating on those because the important thing was that county cricket became my meditation it became uh, a place i went for therapy in in a sense in that you could lose yourself in the in the gentle lull of a, the gentle lullaby of a of a county game and and there are many people and there's been three or four books that have come out on a similar a similar uh, topic that see county cricket in that meditative therapeutic vein it's interesting that three or four books have come, have come out in that same vein and, and and one of them is mine of course you will come on to i guess the, the the obviously yourself and that sort of mental position a bit later on with regards to the actual cricket though callum i just want to get so your thoughts and richard will be able to respond i think about this the other day it's probably quite hard to really tell someone who doesn't like cricket the the purpose for county cricket especially the red bull game when you're thinking that not many, well, not many people turn up. There's probably only a handful of counties where you get a decent amount of support throughout the season. And other than probably filtering the England team, non-cricketing people who would sort of question that, really the purpose for it, especially when no one's there turning up and, you know, and sort of like football being quite tribal and flags and T-shirts, etc. in the air and scarves, that sort of thing. Yeah, I suppose that's just the, 
that's the kind of brush that cricket's tarnished with. But as Richard's kind of hit the nail on the head here for for himself, cricket is obviously so important. And for us, we obviously love cricket. Um, we spoke about it previously about obviously the opportunities that cricket allows, you know, youngsters to actually become professional sportsmen um, and stuff like that. But also the job opportunities that it entails as well in stuff like the media and so forth. So it just shows the importance of the game. It sometimes get a, it doesn't get the fairest of raps does Cairns cricket, mm-hmm. but obviously I think Richard and this book does show the importance of it. Well, we've been in lockdown for 45 years, it feels, but it's actually, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, four or five months. Um, but one of the things we're really missing is sport and, and the arts to a certain extent. But, uh, actually, that's wrong to a great extent. That even though we all clap for the NHS because they keep us alive, and that's absolutely right, the things that we live for are the crickets, are the cinema, are the plays, are the opera, ballet, whatever it is, those are the things that we live for. And the other aspect that's really important with cricket, and you mentioned it, um, uh, Ollie, with regards to football, it's very tribal. Now, that makes it a fantastic uh, TV product, and that's one of the reasons why the Premier League has become this this great beast. It's actually not an English league. It's a, it's a foreign league, not only in who participates, who owns it, but who actually uh, controls it in the sense that kickoffs are gerrymandered for overseas audiences, etc. So it's, it's difficult to think of that as an English league. Um, and it's also lost some of its uh, morals, its ethics. Cricket retains more of them. It's not perfect. There's all sorts of issues. You know, we've had scandals across cricket. I get that. But my moment of the season last year, and I talk about it in the book, was when Essex played down at Kent. And on the, on the 20th of August, it's actually the day after my 50th birthday. That's why I remember the day. Um, the wicketkeeper, Adam, Adam Wheater, our wicketkeeper, was was um, struggling. We were about 40 behind, eight down, something like that. Low-scoring game. It was always going to be a low-scoring game. And he was left with the last two batsmen. Um, and there was a big appeal, appeal for court behind. The umpire didn't give it, and he walked. Now, this was three games before the end of the season. And in a low-scoring game, you know, he had two batsmen that were coming in, the, the bowlers who were perfectly capable of staying there and adding 30 or 40 runs, which could have been the difference, not only in that game, but within the title race itself. You know, we had this battle between Essex and Somerset. It was fighting all through the summer. And yet it could have come down to that one moment and he was prepared to walk and potentially give up the game. And it could have been the title race because it was only three games before the end of the season. Mm. And I don't see that sort of thing happening in other sports. And that's the important lesson that sport teaches us. It's a game that teaches us how to live. And there's a chapter in my book where I talk about the way we play cricket reflects how we live our life. And you do find that. If you look at someone's character, it comes through in the way they approach their cricket. Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting to I say to get your thoughts, and I'd be I say it'd be really interesting to also open the book and have have, have a read of it. I just want to touch on um, the man who who wrote the forward foot, Ryan Tenderskater. I guess if you could choose someone, Richard, who'd be perfect for um, what the the book represents, it would be Ryan. In that he's forty, he's probably approaching a time in his life where things will start to change. He might be thinking about retirement, thinking about life after professional sports. So he's probably the the guy to write that forward. Yes, um, I've known Ryan for 10 to 15 years, basically when he came to Essex, which I think is 15, 15, 16, 17 years, something like that. He's a very active player in every sense of the word, but also he's very humane, he's very human. Um, You'll see a lot of his tweets will be with regard to uh, helping charities and helping individuals. And the other thing happened to him, obviously he's 40, and at that period of time, Many players are looking at retirement or they are actually retired. Their bones are creaking. So he's got to think about where he's going to be, um, what sort of player 
Um, he wants to be in this period of time. Can he still survive? Should he still survive in the game when he's blocking someone's view? So he's got all those issues going on as well. He's got to think about where he fits in the world. And that's, that's the essence of the book, where I fit, where county cricket fits. And Ryan talk, talked about where he fits in the world. Lastly, Richard, on the book specifically, of course, you don't have to tell us what these, what these are, but did you come to a conclusion on both your sort of search for a purpose in both your life at your time you're in and also county cricket as well did you find that sort of that conclusion on both um part of the i think i write about this in the conclusion because it's about change and of course i had to change the whole conclusion because of covid because the hundred hasn't happened so really it doesn't come to a conclusion in that sense albeit there's a big chapter in the middle of the book about the hundred i haven't put an alternative to the 100. I put some alternative thoughts down. With regard to me, the process of writing the book was very useful, very meditative in that sense. But the journey goes on, as, as far as I'm concerned. So a second book? or <laughs> Yeah, well, I suppose the search goes on, uh, I, I should say. Yes, uh, I hope there will be. Well, if they've, if they've listened to the last few minutes, Richard, then I'm sure they're certainly picking up a copy of that one and any future one you write as well. Thanks so much for channel that. It sounds like a great read. That's Last Wicket Stand by Richard Clark, Searching for Redemption, Revival and a Reason to Persevere in English County Cricket. Right, it's time to move on to this week's quiz, Beat the Guest. And for those regular listeners, we'll know that Callum so far is in complete control. He leads 3-0 against the guest. He's beaten Dan Heath, uh, Rishi Patel, and uh, Jack Haycock, there you go. So, yeah, three unfortunate uh, competitors haven't managed to secure victory against you yet. Can Richard be the, the, the first man to do so? Well, this week's quiz uh, is another list. We've got 24 names for you guys to name. Uh, they are 24 wicket-takers, the top 24 wicket-takers, in all formats against Pakistan for England. So England's top 24 wicket-takers in all formats against Pakistan of all time as well, I should point out. So that's both in Test, ODI and T20. So 24 names to name, guys. I'll ask you and take it in turns to give me an answer each. If you give me a wrong answer, unfortunately, that is the end of play. It is a penalty shootout style. So for example, if you go first, Richard, and give me a wrong answer, Callum will have to still secure a right answer to, to win. If you manage to get 12 each, and gets 24, we'll call it a tie, eh? I will give you a point each. Right, Richard, would you like to go first or second? Uh, I will go first. Okie dokie. Whenever you're ready, please give me your first answer. We're looking for the top 24 wicket takers for England against Pakistan in all formats. I'll go for Stuart Broad. Stuart Broad is your first answer. And he's the first man on the list with 96 wickets. So straight away with a correct answer. Well done there. Callum, over to you. James Anderson. Second on the list. Good start. Two answers done. Richard, back over to you. Ian Botham. Are you sure you can't see my document? That's third on the list. We're working nicely through. Callum, over to you. Harmison. It was Steve Harmison. He's 13th on the list with 35 wickets for England in all formats against Pakistan. Over to you, Richard. Bob Willis. Bob Willis. He is 8th on the list with 45 wickets. Another good answer there. Graham Swan. Graham Swan, 5th on the list. Of course, he's there. 65 wickets to his name against Pakistan. Back over to you, Richard. Ashley Giles. Ashley Giles. He's not on the list, I'm afraid, Richard. Oh. <laughs> oh, bummer. That is uh, harsh. <laughs> he I, well, I was going for players who were playing oh. in the one days as well, you see. The tests and the one day. Yeah. Should we see where he is on the list? Where is he? He must be 25th. <laughs> He's 27th on the list, so it's not far away at all. Callum? Secure a right answer here, and you've clinched it. Well, I'm going to say Flintoff. Freddie Flintoff. Is he on the list to secure another victory? Freddie Flintoff, the all-rounder. He is 15th on the list. You are correct with 30 wickets to his name. So a short quiz this week, but a sweet one again for Callum. He leaves 4-0 once again. The guest has failed to beat the guest, but the guest has also beaten the guest. Richard, your thoughts? 
Uh, I was going to go for Flintoff instead of Giles, and I changed my mind. At last oh. so there we go. But there we are. If you had time to think of another one, go on. Who else would you go um, for? Who was I thinking of? Slightly less pressure. Yeah, Hoggard was in my mind. Um, not sure he played enough, to be honest. 27 wickets down at 19th. 19th. So Hoggard and Flintoff would have got me in, but Giles didn't. Correct, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, that's, that's the, no, something's wrong in the universe there, to be honest. <laughs> what about Adil Rashid? Where would he sit? Yeah, all formats, 28 wickets, 18th on the list. All I had off the top of my head, to be honest, I had Flintoff and Rashid left in a... They were, the, they were the punts that I was pretty certain would be in the top, top 24. I'll run you through the list in four that you haven't mentioned. So you got first, second and third. Fourth place was Chris Wokes with 67. In sixth place was Neil Foster with 46 wickets. Uh, of course, Foster playing back in the 80s. Uh, Darren Goff in seventh with 45 wickets. Derek Underwood, ninth with 38 wickets. Moeen Ali in tenth with 35 wickets. Phil DeFritas, 35 wickets. As is Stephen Finn, both 11th and 12th respectively. Monty Panasar's 14th with 31 wickets. Andy Caddick, 16th with 29. Phil Edmund, 17th with 28. And a bit of a leap down towards Chris Old, 27 wickets. Brian Statham, 27. Nick Cook, 26. And the final two, 23rd and 24th on the list, Graham Dilley with 26. And Liam Plunkett manages to just squeeze in there with 26 wickets too, down at 24th on the list. I said... I saw. I thought about Chris Old. Actually, I thought about Chris Old, thinking how many times have they toured <laughs> Pakistan? And uh, of course, it's you play so many more uh, uh, games these days. Um, yeah. So I was going more modern. But Underwood's in there. I couldn't believe that. Yeah, That's incredible. Yeah, thirteen matches for Derek Underwood from sixty-seven to seventy-four took thirty-eight wickets at an average of 24, which is obviously pretty good going for, for any bowler, let alone a spinner as well. So unlucky with the quiz, Richard. Up next, after the break, we'll be continuing the chat about county cricket and also looking ahead to England's test match, the second test match of the three-match series against Pakistan tomorrow, and we'll get Richard's big question too. Cambridge 105 Radio From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio so you're listening to From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Thank you very much for tuning in. Just to remind you, up next is Tim Willett with the new music generator, Cambridge 105 Radio's flagship show dedicated to local and unsigned music. We'll continue the chat, though, about uh, county cricket. Of course, Richard Clark, uh, who's recently written a book on the county cricket and uh, reviewed the latest round of fixtures in the Bob Willis Trophy. There were wins for Somerset against Northamptonshire, Lancashire, defeated Durham, Derbyshire against Leicestershire. Kent got the win against Sussex. Yorkshire made it two wins from two against Notts. Gloucestershire recorded a bit of a shock win as well against Warwickshire. Worcestershire and Glamorgan shared the points. They drew and Essex, of course, defeated Surrey. A massive eight for for Simon Harmer, who continues to take stackfuls of wickets. And Hampshire beat Middlesex in the South Group 2. So how that leaves the table. Somerset lead the way in the Central Group. Essex in the South Group and Derbyshire. Bit of a surprise there in the North Group. Um, let's start with you, Callum. Of course, a couple of rounds now gone of the, the Bob Willis Trophy. How are you finding the formats? How are you enjoying the action so far? It's very good. I think we spoke previously about how clubs are going to take it in terms of playing experienced players or going for the win. seems like they're trying to blend, a lot of the clubs are trying to blend a lot of youth players in um, into experienced squads, which is good to see. Um, obviously, giving handful of opportunities at the moment and yeah it's also really good to see a lot of division two sides really holding their own against division one sides obviously Derbyshire for me have been almost a standout side in the two games they've got a relatively comfortable victory this time against Leicestershire and obviously had a fantastic victory against Knotts mm-hmm. in the last round yeah it's just really really positive to see these division two you know traditional division two counties holding their own and then yeah the smaller counties you know Gloucestershire done pretty well obviously got promoted last season Obviously, done fantastically well against Warwickshire as well. Yeah, it is great to see, and and one of the benefits of this format, which we'll come on to in just a bit, is that there's a level playing field all throughout all three groups. So there's no sort of elitist Division One, etc. Uh, Richard, what's your thoughts on the on the format? Obviously, following county cricket, like you did last year, the more traditional setup of the the two divisions, promotion and relegation, but three groups: North, South, and arguably Central, but still three groups nonetheless. What are your thoughts of it? So what I like about it is 
the fact they've taken the opportunity to experiment. We know this isn't the county championship. Um, it, it's, it's not going to be long enough for that. But uh, three competitors have been spoken about by Lord McLaurin when, in one of his reports 20 years ago or so. I like the fact that they've tried it. The live streams make it interesting as well that, that uh, clubs have invested in those and made those very relevant. So you can literally go and see every game that's going on. That's great for the promotion of, of, the, uh, of the tournament. And also, um, it's going to be interesting now because we're two games in and really, I think you're going to struggle to get through to the final without four wins, if you ask me at least, but three wins as, as an absolute minimum. So if you have not won a game so far, you have to go for it. You have to try and win the game. And that's going to make very interesting competitive cricket. I even like the, the 120 maximum over uh, maximum overs for the for a first innings. I think that's interesting as well. I mean, if you can do what NFL do and tweak re, uh, uh, regulations and laws here or there, so you can build up to a, a crescendo. And of course, that's fantastic because you know I saw uh, Hans versus Middlesex today. That was a great finish in the last game. Essex versus Kent was a great mm. finish. And you're getting people viewing these streams now. So it's been in many ways very beneficial for county cricket, the way that all these factors and they've, they've, they've used a negative and made it into a positive. Yeah, I read an article today actually about, I think, I can't remember if it was, maybe in the, in the Telegraph or somewhere, about this format being utilised next season. Well, this article I read was actually pro for it, but reading sort of the comments and people's reaction, some of the, the potential flaws to it is that there's, there could be, if you play this sort of format over a longer part of the season, so you play 10 games instead of five, potentially a lot of dead rubbers towards the, the back end of the season, especially with only, if it is still just one side going up or going into the, the playoff of the final. Of course, then it brings into the debate whether then you enter even more sides into the playoffs and say two go into it and then you have a quarter, semi, etc. Um, it does allow space, though, in the calendar uh, with fewer games. So that is a positive. And like I said uh, at the top of this chat, really, it stops that elite top division of sort of Division One counties um, and them being the only teams and players considered for, for test cricket. Either way, Richard, with regards to next season, are we looking at a shake-up? Do we think the county championship needs to be something different? Maybe not because it didn't work beforehand, but because we've seen through this almost trial period throughout the, the shortened season due to COVID that potentially there's there's other options that might be slightly more exciting or beneficial for, for other counties and not just those top ones. So are we going to either way, irrespective of what it is, potentially see a shake-up of the, the county championship next season? I don't think we'll see it next season. I think there is a possibility, because I don't think it works that way. I don't think they'll say, well, bang, this work will change it. Cricket doesn't work that way. They'll have a report and then they'll deliver the report and then they'll think about it and then they'll see if it happens. I, I do think that the, the dead rubber issue is, is, is very important and you don't get dead rubbers really in Division 1 because most of the time, <laughs> uh, certainly when it's been 9-9, uh, nine, nine, um, obviously, it's ten eight now, but or, yeah. but um, uh, most of the time you're you're either gunning for one of the top three places or you're in a relegation battle or at least looking over your shoulder. And mm. likewise, the top half of Division Two, and I've this experience many times when I was following Essex, you've really until the last couple of games of the season, you always feel you've got a chance. So it really is only the last three or four sides, maybe three sides. In the, in the second division, they've got nothing going on. And the other factor that I think you talked about, uh, Ollie, was the, 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 the fact that, that, that an elitist first division where all the um, uh, England players were being taken from, from the first division, it shouldn't happen that way. I don't think anyone's actually said it should happen that way. It tends to. Because the bigger size will be have me more resources. You've got a little bit more of a transfer market coming in in county cricket these days. And of course, one of the issues of the hundred is that there's more money in those franchises based at test grounds. So, so all the resources are going to get uh, drawn into one place. So you do see counties such as yours and mine, Essex and Somerset, potentially being or, or getting the thin end, edge, end of the wedge there when actually they're very vibrant counties. And that's one of my issues with the 100. But it, it shouldn't happen that way. I would love us to use some of the positives from what we've seen in the first two rounds of the Bob Weir's Trophy and throw them into the championship and see if we can make it more competitive and more compelling for a, for a younger audience, certainly. 
a four-day FA Cup. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> but, but what you said is exactly the point I was trying to get at. What we've seen over the last few weeks surely at the worst just puts ideas into the decision maker's head that look it doesn't have to be this way we can you know we can change and things can be different going forward to attract that younger audience to make it more exciting we'll see if you want to get your in touch and give us your views you can do at ftp cricket 105 on both twitter and facebook let's move on to england then of course the second test against pakistan starts tomorrow england lead the series one nil after their victory at Old Trafford last week. But no Ben Stokes for the couple of tests down at the Aegis Bowl. He's flown to New Zealand for personal reasons. Uh, Callum, I'll start with you. Is it as easy to just say it's a straight swap for Zach Crawley? Because effectively Ben Stokes was playing as a batsman, so you get another batsman in. So Crawley comes in, Root moves back to four. No, I think it's a, it's a straight swap, isn't it? Crawley comes in, goes up to three, and Root drops down to his preferred number four. Obviously with Chris Wokes. Getting the runs and Butler hopefully getting back into some form in the last Test match. It's an interesting one, isn't it, Chris? Folks? I just don't think he gets the credit as a genuine all-rounder that he probably should. And uh, his stats are incredible as a, as a genuine all-rounder. I think it, I'm not sure because he come in as a lower order batter and has kind of had to work his way up into you know people's imagination as a batter. But his stats as an out-and-out batsman are pretty extraordinary for what he does. And uh, no, it's really good to see him get back into some nick in, in the last match and obviously see his home. Yeah, it certainly was. Um, Joffre has played the last two tests and Jimmy Anderson has, has played, obviously, consecutive tests as well. It's a difficult question to ask because we don't know the players' fitness rates and all the stats they get. But given the talk about resting fast bowlers, resting Jimmy Anderson, would you expect those two to have a, a test match off? I think we spoke about this during lockdown, just about, obviously, Jimmy's a bit, Jimmy's a bit older, but um, obviously a different type of bowler. I think that Arch is the one that really needs managing that kind of rotation between him, uh, Mark Wood, Ollie Stone, Saqib Mood, you know, the out-and-out quick bowlers, that really does need managing because we need them fresh and raring to go whenever the Ashes does take place. Um, we need them on, you know, all having the experience, you know, similar experience, but also make sure they're fresh as well. I think Jimmy's taken a bit of stick since the last Test match and that, I think it could be more of a rocket, you know, up the, up the backside than anything. Um, I think... You know, I think we might see if if Jimmy does play, we might see the best of him in the next test match. Well, let's hope so. That gets underway tomorrow uh, at the Aegis Bowl. Right, let's move on to the last part of the show. Rich, it's time for your big question. Would you like to enlighten us and enlighten the viewers what it is? Okay, so my question was, and this is a little bit related to the book. So my question is: Can spectating at sports events, especially the likes of county cricket, be a therapy? And uh, usually, of course, me and Callum debate is with yourself. But given, obviously, it's a question you've asked and one that relates to your book as well, I'll ask you sort of why you asked it and your sort of answer to your own question as well. Well, clearly my answer is yes, because it works for me. I mean, cricket's a wonderful waste of time, ultimately. <laughs> and all sport is a wonderful waste of time. But there are lessons that you can learn from the, as I've talked about before, lessons from the, you, that you can learn from these artificial arenas of competition but also it allows a little bit of a escapism i mean in the last five to ten years uh, the concept of meditation through apps like calm and headspace has, has become very much mainstream and it, it literally is about calming your mind and not allowing negative thoughts to enter or just just allow yourself to be well so many sports people at every level be they players or spectators say well when i'm playing when i'm spectating i forget about the world well isn't that meditative isn't that therapeutic isn't that quietening the noise in your mind and a lot of people have a lot of mental chatter a lot of it is negative as well isn't that a positive thing yeah i guess that the interesting thing as well would be how much detail you have to go into the individual to then specify what sports would would suit that person obviously i imagine a, a roaring stadium with 75,000 people in a football match, probably wouldn't be the most ideal case. But, for example, I guess the difference between maybe a, you know, something like a, a cricket match, a county cricket match, where it's slightly more idyllic, and maybe even, again, like a, a snooker match, again, slightly uh, more low-key, a different environment. Uh, that would be interesting to me, to see how the, the, the therapist would go about, like you said, or doctor would go about prescribing the actual event that they're going to watch. What do you think, Callum? I read up a bit about Tyson Fury and he just said about, you know, struggling with his depression. He was saying, just 
keeping his mind occupied was so important. And that came through training for him. But as Richard said, I suppose different people react differently to certain things. And if that, I mean, it's definitely something to look at. But as you've said, Ollie, um, how far do you go into someone's you know, mental state before you say to them, you know, what sport's good for them to go and watch? Um, yeah, that kind of calm and soothing environment, couldn't see any harm with it really much. Well, it has to be what they like. It has exactly. to be what they like, otherwise they won't enjoy it, otherwise they won't get into it. But it works for golf. It works for cricket. It works for the more sedate sports. You mentioned snooker. I can see that working. Mm. But also, people need a reason to get out of the house and get active. Right? They need a reason. I was going to say to you, which as well, it is as much as it is actually being there and watching the sport and taking in obviously the and, and being that calming effect. If you strip it back, it's almost just having a something to look forward to. Say you've got that cricket at the, on a Saturday and you're on a Monday and Tuesday and feeling feeling low. You've got that that light at the end of the week that I've got the cricket at the end of the week and I'm going to go there. I'm going to watch it and I'm going to be in my zone. I'm going to be in my area. I'm going to feel a lot better. Uh, just sort of really being calm. Um, and it just gives some that person something to look forward to. And I think that's quite important as well when obviously whatever mental state you're in, obviously it's different for different people. But if you can try and find you know, the good elements and, and like I say, a light at the end of the tunnel, something to look forward to, uh, hang on to that. I think that's quite key as well. There's an old country and Western music philosophy and it's been written in a song that says there's three things to life. Something to do, someone to love, Something to look forward to. <laughs> this is something to look forward to. Yeah, I, it's something that I say. It's a great question, Richard. It really is, and and something that deserves a debate section a lot, a lot higher profile than uh, than something on a Cambridge One Hundred Five Radio. But as I said, everything starts somewhere, and if the people of Cambridge have enjoyed listening and us talking about it, then hopefully I say it's something that could be moved into more regular conversations elsewhere. Richard, it's been a pleasure having you on. If people want to buy your book, just tell us how they can do so. They can go to Amazon and buy it uh, that way. If they want a signed copy, go to my website, mrrichardclark.com, and you can buy directly through to me and uh, from me, and uh, I'll sign it for you, etc. But it's also available on Amazon. It's uh, it's number nine in the cricket book charts at the moment. So I there wanna, you go. I'm chasing down Bob Willis at the moment. <laughs> and I look forward to my dad and wrapping it on his birthday on Saturday. Fantastic. That's one more sale. <laughs> Cha-ching. Thanks, Richard. Cheers for your time. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. So that's it. That's all we have time for this week on From the Pavilion. Thank you very much for tuning in to today's show. Thank you to my guest Richard Clark for coming on as well. And of course my co-host Callum Guest. If you want to listen back to the show, you've missed any of it at all, you can download the podcast straight after we're done here. In fact, right now on our social media pages at FTP Cricket 105 both on Twitter and Facebook. Up next after us is Tim Willett with a new music generator. That's from 7 until 9 o'clock on Cambridge 105 Radio. Just to cover your card sports-wise over the next few days, the 105 Sports Special returns on Saturday as we ran up another week of local sport in the city in South Cambridgeshire. And then on Sunday, with the countdown continues for Cambridge United's Game of the Decade, myself and Tim Armitage are at number three in our top five. So once again, thanks so much for tuning in. Until you hear from us next week, which will be the same time and same place here on Cambridge 105 Radio. Stay safe and well. Bye-bye. Cambridge 105.